filmmaker Mary Havistick never much cared for history and certainly never expected to find herself immersed in conspiracy theories about the assassination of US President John F. Kennedy. But when she started to make a documentary about a pioneering female aviator named Jerry Cobb, one of the first women to train for NASA's space program in the 1960s, she obtained classified documents with another story. Cobb may have had a secret identity, a CIA agent and daring spy with connections to Lee Harvey Oswald and the assassination of JFK 60 years ago. Well, Mary Havistick never made that film about Jerry Cobb, but she has a new book. It's called A Woman I Know, Female Spies, Double Identities, and a New Story of the Kennedy Assassination. Mary Havistick joins me now. Hello. Jesse, glad to be here. I'm just very happy to be talking to you today about uh, the crazy journey I've been on. Yeah. Well, actually, the original story you intended to tell is fascinating enough. Who were the Mercury 13 that, that included Jerry Cobb? The Mercury 13 were women who were really excellent pilots in uh, 1959-1960, and they hoped to do just what the men were doing, qualify to become NASA astronauts for their chance to go into space and perhaps onto the moon. But of course, they weren't allowed to in that era because of the sexism and the rules at NASA at the time. Mm. But Jerry was the leader of the group, and she tried to fight for her rights and took her fight all the way to Congress and to the vice president, but ultimately lost that fight to become an astronaut. And she was an incredible woman by any measure. Uh, Is there any particular accomplishment of hers that really impressed you? Her piloting, just plain and simple, is fantastic. And nothing that I've discovered diminishes that in any way. Uh, She was an excellent, what they call stall, which is a short takeoff and landing pilot, which, as we'll find out, could be very useful in spying. But at any rate, she was an amazing pilot who did many great things and ultimately landed in the National Aviation Hall of Fame, along with the greats like Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin. When did things start to get weird while you were researching her life? Well, we were pretty far along in developing the film on Jerry, which was actually a feature film, and we were casting actresses to play Jerry at the time. And I was visited by what I thought was a possible new friendship that had only lasted a few weeks. This woman worked in the Defense Department. She, by her own admission, was in espionage. And she started to basically drop warnings to me, what I couldn't see as anything other than warnings, that documents that I had at my studio about Jerry might be classified, or actually she said they were classified and needed to be in a vault, was her exact words. Well, those kinds of warnings really got me concerned about what was going on. And so I simply started to do Google searches about Jerry to see if she had done secret work or if there's any other problem in her backstory. Yeah. By the way, how did the Department of Defense officials sort of come onto your radar? Were you, were you friends with them? It was a female a friend that I met on a camping trip. The, the, the encounter is described within the book. It was a very brief, you know, acquaintanceship slash friendship, um, you know, and she was just a fascinating person that I thought I'd accidentally met who then, on a trip. And then she came through my hometown and I gave her a tour of my studio. And that's when things went sideways because she seemed to be, to a certain extent, butting into my project and telling me that I had problems with the project. Did it think you did it make you think later perhaps that first meeting wasn't an accident? 
I've wondered that, you know, of course, that's one of those things you can never prove one way or another. What you can prove is that when I started to research Jerry Cobb and I simply Googled her name with CIA, this other woman named June Cobb came up and she was a spy with the CIA. And there were thousands of documents about her that were released as part of the Kennedy assassination records. Wow. Now, the big problem, which you also can prove very quickly within hours, I knew that her biography sounded astonishingly like mm. Jerry's biography. And that led me to have to confront Jerry because I almost couldn't see even after two or three hours of research how they could be completely separate people or how they could wind up having no connection. I believe they almost had to and indeed they did. Gosh. Now we pointed out last week, this is the 60th anniversary of the Kennedy assassination. Can I ask over the years, had you given it much thought? Did it loom large in your life at all? I think all American citizens have been aware of the controversy. I was not steeped in it any more than any other American citizen. I was interested. I had seen the Oliver Stone movie, JFK, which cast a lot of questions into the air, but really didn't put forward too many solutions. Um, I think like 65% of Americans, I felt maybe something was wrong there, but I couldn't have told you the first thing about what that would be or you know who was behind anything. I really didn't have any concrete ideas about it all. And I'm not a conspiracy person in general. After all, I was trying to tell a story of, you know, female heroics and breakthroughs for equality and a heroic story. I was not after a dark conspiratorial story. Yeah. So what was Jerry's response when you brought up June Cobb? Well, that was where things really went off the rails, because obviously you would think if you confront somebody about having a double identity, they would be upset, mad, <laughs> cut off their relationship. But the exact opposite happened. She was like a cat and mouse game with me where she wow. technically denied being June. She said, oh, no. But then she basically invited me into her life in ways that she hadn't. She placed herself in Dallas on the day of the Kennedy assassination, which is you know, a, a very intense story that's told in chapter one of the book. And that she placed herself in Dallas in quite a problematic way, by the way, in what appeared to be a flight needing to exit Dallas under duress that almost sounded like some kind of a getaway flight or problematic flight. And she told it to me with a visceral amount of emotion. So when I when I heard that story and she did nothing in that conversation to uh, really make me think that she wasn't June Cobb. In fact, she continued to link herself further to June Cobb in many, many ways. And ultimately, she admitted that June Cobb had impersonated her, her words in her spying career. So now she was tangling herself up with June Cobb and placing herself at the site of the Kennedy assassination. These were all extremely problematic uh, facts that I was learning from her in this conversation. And it set me off on a 10-year investigation, which included many, many more conversations with her. Yeah. If you've just tuned in, by the way, I'm talking to Mary Havistick, author of a new book called A Woman I Know, Female Spies, Double Identities, and a New Story of the Kennedy Assassination. Um, now, I don't have any experience with the CIA, Mary, but I'm thinking if I was going to go undercover, I wouldn't probably use my surname. <laughs> I just want to mention that because a lot of people will be listening and thinking, hang on, it seems kind of unlikely that someone, if they were trying to be a secret identity, would, would stick with a quite unique surname like Cobb. 
You would think that, wouldn't you, especially in the modern day? But we have to remember that this was in the 50s and 60s when, you know, there was no Internet. If you were off in Cuba, nobody was going to know who your family was or where you went to school. And also, you might say that's fanciful, but in proven ways, I've already proven that when they take aliases on in the CIA, at least back in the Cold War, yeah. they would, and again, this is proven, the names would be just derivatives like Harry Hubner and Henry Hubner. <laughs> Those are proven switcheroos that they did. And I think they did that so that it was easier to remember. Yeah. And frankly, Having June and Jerry, there could even be confusion. Are they related? If someone thought they looked alike, yeah. uh, are they twins? So there are a lot of reasons that in the Cold War era, this okay. might have worked to their advantage. Now, you mentioned Dallas, November 22nd, 1963. But even before that, it seems like this June cob you came across is a bit like the Forrest Gump of the Kennedy assassination. Uh, time in Cuba with Castro. And in fact, in Mexico at the same time as Kennedy's killer, Lee Harvey Oswald. She's tangled up in the case all over the place, and that's why it's so concerning. I mean, the biggest thing she's on prior to the assassination of President Kennedy is she was involved with the head of the American assassination program that was trying to target Castro, and Castro was also her target. She made a delivery to an assassin in Havana that was delivering the poison pills for the CIA to Castro. So she was involved in assassination operations, and the fact that Jerry had an overlap with her and was in Dallas on that day uh, is, is tremendously concerning. Is there evidence, by the way, that the CIA actually had an assassination program? Absolutely, and that's detailed in depth in my book. I mean, that's been admitted uh, mm. by... Now, they're saying it was ineffectual, and they're going to say that it didn't really wind up getting rid of any foreign leaders. This was an assassination program that targeted Castro officially. That's well known that those attempts were made. And also, Patrice Lumumba in the Congo was a target. They're, they're claiming that none of those... Well, obviously, Castro lived to be an old man. Lumumba actually did perish uh, within a month of the CIA program operating in Africa. So I think there are some questions about that one. Um, but, you know, there was a unit dedicated to this cause, learning those techniques and, in fact, developing some weaponry for those operations. So to the assassination, can you remind us what the official story is about what happened that day in Dallas? Yes, the Warren Commission immediately uh, did a rather brisk uh, investigation that lasted less than a year, but it was rather comprehensive in detailing Oswald's movements, and they concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald was a single lone nut shooter who basically was dissatisfied with the United States and had shot President Kennedy with a rifle from behind, and that's all they say there was to it. Hmm. Okay. But... <laughs> It seems there may be more to the story. <laughs> to the story. Well, Americans have immediately, and this was not if you, if you, the polling in America from 1964 to today, uh, the average American has never bought the Warren Commission's conclusion. Uh, you know, over 50 percent of Americans in those polls from 1964 to a poll that was taken just a few weeks ago show that over half of the American population and currently 65 percent believe there was a conspiracy and not a single shooter. So this has been a long-standing feeling Americans have had, in great part because the story, the narrative about Lee Harvey Oswald and his motives has never really added up to a lot of people. So, so now who was there in Dallas on the day of the assassination? Was it Jerry or was it June? 
Or was it both? Well, of course, we suspect that she's the same person. But what is Jerry's story? Jerry told me an involved story, which again is in in the first chapter of, of my book, A Woman I Know. And she talks right at the top of the book about that she was flying a group of photographers from Life magazine to Dallas to cover the events that day. But she claims they sat out at this little airport called Redbird Airport and that they never left the plane even though they were reporters and even though they got news of the president's death and then they continued to wait trying to frantically exit dallas she said um, and then could only exit after they received a second set of news at which point they got in out of there just before the presidential plane took off with kennedy's body air force one so that was her very strange story which there were holes in that story immediately not the least of which is you're in the media, Jesse, I'm in the media uh-huh. as well, and no, no reporter sits in the plane when that big event is occurring in Dallas. Why do you think she was there at that private airfield? I became very concerned if she's there at the private airfield with a double identity of June Cobb, right? Because June Cobb is a CIA agent who was on assassination-related operations for the CIA. That all equals up to something concerning, as well as some of the other facts that I found out about June Cobb, that she really was not, uh, she was harassing some witnesses and some other kind of troubling pieces of data that I came across. I became concerned that Jerry wasn't telling me the truth and she may have gone into Dallas that day. So I began to search the footage to see if there was anybody in Dallas that would match Jerry's description. And very unsettlingly, I discovered the babushka lady, who is a woman who stood only about 33 feet away from Kennedy uh-huh. holding a camera, and she was pointing at the president at the moment the fatal shot hit him in the head. Gosh. This woman left the scene and never was heard from again. Gosh. And the babushka lady is someone that other Kennedy investigators have spotted before, uh, right? The, uh, possibly you know, a key. Yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I would love to know why nobody has even looked at this woman previously. Like she, anybody within, imagine today in the modern era, any person within 33 feet of a president being killed, aiming a camera at him, and that person just walks out of there, is never sought, and is never asked a single question. Their identity becomes one of the greatest mysteries. And I think because she was a woman in 1963, uh, no one thought she could be up to anything problematic. But I think this woman needs a complete and utter re-examination at this point. I mean, Jerry told me she was there with cameras in the plane, and that really made me extremely concerned to the point where I confront Jerry about, you know, in the book, towards the end of the book, I confront her about, did you go into Dallas with a camera? And her answers were also somewhat unsettling for me. Now, and we'll come to that, when you look at this woman, is it, it's definitely a camera she's holding? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Is she holding it in an interesting way? Well, she is because, I mean, I am a professional filmmaker. And if you, I mean, I've studied the amateurs who are on Dealey Plaza, and I know how amateurs film things, and they're pretty sloppy. This woman held her camera like a professional. She had a very solid stance, um, and she panned her camera in a strange way. She actually forego, like she just pulled away from the wonderful shot of Kennedy and Jackie coming towards her. And she aimed her camera to a point in space when the 
President's limousine would be moving away from her. And it's about the time that he moved into her visage that, that he was struck with the fatal shot. So, you know, a lot of people have looked for shots here, there, and everywhere on the Daily Plaza, including the grassy knoll, which we've all heard of. Mm. And I'm just wondering why no one ever even considered that this woman could have been up to no good and could she have been concealing a weapon? I mean, this is good stuff. It's 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 massively intriguing, of course, you know, 60 years on. Um, and we thought all the leads might be cold, but this is a, this is a really interesting one. So what's Jerry's response when you bring up the so-called babushka woman? Well, I didn't name the babushka, but I did ask her if she went in there with a camera to shoot the president. Uh, that was my exact sentence, because you shoot film or anything else, the mm. word shoot applies. And, you know, she, uh, her, her, in the end, um, she said that she didn't go into Dealey Plaza. She could have sort of give me a quick answer. And, and I said, really? Because, you know, I'm in the media and that's hard to believe. Um, you, I said to her, I know you, you know, you know, I know you really well by now. And her answer was, well, if you know me really well by now, then you don't need to ask me that question. Uh. And that left me cold and even more concerned. Of course, I want to be very clear. I think the babushka should be looked into. I think the Jerry June connection should be looked into. I think President Biden should release the remaining three to 4,000 documents. But I don't have the definitive answer to the Kennedy case. I do believe what I have found are very serious loopholes that have not been properly researched or investigated. The, the, we should mention there's an, why, why do we call her the babushka woman? Well, I think that's really strange. Immediately, people thought because she was concealed, she had what looks like sunglasses. She had a headscarf over her head, mm. like what people oh, yeah. said could be a Russian peasant. Yeah. And she was wearing a trench coat. So she was very concealed. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you can't, it's, it's on the Zapruder film, is it? You can see her. She's on the Zapruder film, which is another interesting thing, Jesse, that everybody went running and Life magazine throwing a lot of money uh, immediately within 12 to 24 hours to get the Zapruder footage. So why did everybody rush to get Zapruder when the babushka was holding a film camera much closer to the president, much more visible to everybody who was there? Yet, where was the rush to get her footage? Now, I should say that somebody came forward to say that she is the babushka woman and... Well, you can't really make this stuff up. Turns out she was an employee of Jack Ruby, the man who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. You're right, Jesse. There was one woman who came forward, Beverly Oliver, who actually wrote a book about it. I believe she came forward over a decade after the fact. She could not produce her footage, and she was a employee of Jack Ruby at the nightclub. But I think there was yet another woman who also claimed to be the babushka. And there were, I can just tell you that it's just not my opinion, but many researchers have looked at those stories and feel that neither of them are completely credible. They certainly haven't settled the matter of who the babushka is. That is considered to be an open question by, by many, not just me. Now, Jerry died in 2019 and before she died she told you something she said she told you more than she had anyone else in her entire life she didn't mm. admit any involvement in the kennedy assassination and i guess if 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 she hasn't said any more than this is is there a point to raising these theories and, and posing questions that may be largely unanswerable 
I like to take the optimistic view there that uh, these questions can be answered. And the fact that I've written what I know about her and what I learned uh, is important so that others can pick up the mantle. We're going to get eventually more of these government documents released. And so if I've put the facts and the stories that I've uncovered into the record, um, then yeah, I do believe that more light can be shed and uh, these riddles can be solved. So I'm going to stay on the uh, optimistic side of that equation. Great. And I should say, by the way, uh, the director, Rob Reiner, has made a 10-part podcast about the assassination. Obviously, there's a lot of attention this year on the 60th anniversary. Um, Mm. And and I just did want to ask you about one of the most famous aspects of it, which is this magic bullet idea that that one bullet hit Kennedy and then the governor of Texas riding in the same limo. If you don't accept that, then really there has to be a second, third, or even fourth shooter right that's that seems to be what rob reiner thinks i agree and if you've been following the recent revelations uh, a secret service agent who is quite elderly who was on the scene has now come forward just a few weeks ago with his story that Mm. he pulled a bullet out of the cushion of kennedy's limo which basically means it is impossible for the you know there must be if his story is correct yet another bullet and yet another shooter so that was a new and very important revelation but i agree if I got one thing out of the Oliver Stone movie, it was the magic bullet zigzagging here, there, and somersaulting in the air is just, and then coming out pristine on a stretcher is just not plausible. Well, you didn't set out to find a conspiracy theory of the John F. Kennedy assassination, Mary, but you came across one and you've told it beautifully. Thank you very much for the energy you've put into this. And thanks so much for talking to us in New Zealand today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Filmmaker Mary Haverstick, whose book is called A Woman I Know. And there's plenty more in the book, of course. Female spies, double identities, and a new story of the Kennedy assassination.